Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Laricchia, and this is episode number 294 of the podcast. It's the 7th of September, 2021, as I record this intro. This week, I have a fun conversation with Cecilia Conrad, joining me from Istanbul to talk about her unschooling and world schooling life with her family. Cecilia shares about her path to unschooling, which started when her second child began attending school. We talk about how her family's love of travel has enriched their lives and how the unschooling lifestyle fits so well with their choice to explore. Cecilia also reflects on the amazing relationships that she has been able to cultivate with her four children as a result of diving deep into their loves and interests together. And next week, I chat with Cecilia's husband, Jesper. I thought it would be really interesting and fun to hear about their unschooling lives from each of their perspectives. And before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patron, Brenda Ludlow. Hi, Bren. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support helps pay for the hosting and transcription, as well as my time spent creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, Check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now, here's my conversation with Cecilia. Welcome! I'm Pamela Riccia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Cecilia Conrad. Hi, Cecilia! Hello! <laughs> Now, we recently connected online, and I really enjoyed checking out your Instagram and your blog, and I'm excited to learn more about your unschooling experience. And what's extra fun is I'm also chatting with your partner, and his episode is going to be coming out next week on the podcast, so we'll get to hear stories from both perspectives. So to get us started, can you share with us a bit about you and the kids and what everybody's interested in right now? It would probably be hard for me to share a bit because I tend to talk a lot. <laughs> so, so I have four children. One is an adult and she's living in Copenhagen. She's a writer. She's coming out with her second book in August. So literature and, and art, uh, especially um, Painting and drawing is is what is, has caught her attention and passion in life, and she's quite successful with it and happy with it. It's not an easy path to be an artist, you know. Sometimes I wish for her that she would be a dentist, or <laughs> maybe that's not easy either. I don't know, <laughs> but it's just you know, it 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 will it will you know take a lot of inner work to be an artist and to be a very young artist. And to, to decide that that's what you want to do. You, she worked in a coffee shop and she's a very good barista, but she's like, you know, I've made a lot of coffee and said good morning a lot of times now. I actually want to write books. 
So she's focusing on that. And sometimes it's, it's very hard because she's self-employed and you have, it takes a lot of discipline and it takes a lot of courage. And I'm happy for her, of course, that she's following her dream and she's amazingly good at what she's doing. So that's, of course, she should do it. I, I, I mean, she owes it to the world to give what she has inside. But on the other hand, sometimes I think it's, it's hard work to be an artist and only 22 years old. So I have her. And uh, then I have a 15-year-old son. He's called Storm, like the wind. And he is uh, very different from my first child. Interested in, you know, the question is a little educationist. <laughs> it is a little educationist. Then I should say, you know, he's into mythology and languages and he's very good at math. And then, I know, know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you, I know, you know, you know, I've, I'm almost answering the question in order to please the people who don't on school. And I don't want to do that. And yeah. on the other hand, I, I want the message across that unschooling is a cool lifestyle. And of course, I came from, from education. I, I, was, I was educated myself for 23 years straight. And uh, my parents were high school teachers. <laughs> I mean, So I know, I know how confronting the idea of not schooling kids is. It's very confronting. I, I, it was very confronting to me when I met the idea. So, but I'm going to try to answer the question, not too educationist and not too provocatively. Um, Storm is 15. He is a very peaceful and simplistic kind of person. He's the kind who would be able to go through his whole life with only 47 objects, I think. He's like a minimalist, natural or minimalist, completely opposite of, of the rest of us, basically. Um, he's very smart on several levels. So he's very systematic and of course uh, anything mathematical will will stimulate his brain and he really likes it. And of course he's a Rubik's Cube kind of kid and actually all of the three young ones, they cube, but it comes from him. And um, he likes the whole literature scene. He's reading and reading and reading all the time. Um, he likes to play games. That's the that's the structured brain. He likes to understand the the mechanics of a game and the rules and how to, you know, how to get through. It could be any kind of game. Uh, not so much computer games. Most board games, card games, Dungeons and Dragons games. This kind of you know imaginative thing. What else would he be into? Good food. We are vegan. And we're gluten-free and he likes to cook and he likes to think about food and understand, you know, where does the produce come from and why is it good and how can we, how can we handle it so that we can have good nutrients. He's very, how would you say that in English? Responsible. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think sometimes he thinks that his parents are a little crazy and he has to, you know, straighten things up a little bit. <laughs> so, so if he makes sure, you know, that we get home on time and <laughs> play before he leaves. <laughs> yeah, he's funny. So that's him. Um, then I have Silke. She is 12. Silke means silk in Danish. It's a girl. Um, she's totally into dogs. She's the dog, the crazy dog lady. You know, she knows everything there is to know. And more than you can imagine about any detail, about anything in the history of dogs and the many varieties, how to treat them and how to train them and and how different cultures feel about dogs. And yeah, that's her life. We have one dog that we travel with. It's probably 48 too little for her, but she's going to have to live with it. <laughs> um, I think I'm losing your sound. No, now you're back. Okay. Um, what else? She's into the reading as well. They all read books all the time, my kids. Um, mostly on their Kindle as we are traveling. Um, what else? She's drawing. She loves to express herself. No, she wouldn't call it that. She just loves to draw, and she's really good at it, and she's she's enjoying it. And then she likes to work with animals in general. I mentioned the dogs, but basically she likes to work with animals, and she does work with animals a lot. She's very good at it. She's very brave. She's very strong. Um, you know, she'll go right up to a horse that's trapped in something and get the legs out and, and pet it a little bit and say, hey, chill. And, and I'm like hiding behind the tree. <laughs> um, but she, she, know, she, has, she knows how to, you know, work with uh, animals. She has no fear. Um, she's very powerful. She's very much uh, an in-between child. You know, you, when you have the order of the kids, you have three and the one in between gets really strong because she has the pressure of the older one. And she, she's, you know, there's a younger one getting the attention and she, oh, she just got really, maybe she was just has nothing to do with her being number three, but she's really strong. She's a very powerful one. And she's a joker, you know, she, she jokes around. She has funny bones. I mean, she's just, you know, She's really funny, and she's in in a, in a stupid kind of way, you know, in a masculine way. She makes jokes with her father, and uh, they are really funny and stupid in a in a in a very funny way. So, and she takes no bullshit, and she will not be suppressed by anything. You cannot tell her what to do. You can try, and she's polite. So she will smile and say, no, which means fuck off. And <laughs> she's just so much in herself. She has a lot of confidence. It doesn't mean fuck off. It just means, you know, it's not for me, so I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Um, I like that. I think it's in her genes. I think my mother had that gene, and I basically have it, and she very much has it too. But, you know, she will do her own thing. And if you tell her what to do, it's all hell. I mean, it's and and something inside of her will break if you force her. You just can't do it. 
So the very few situations, you know, medically or whatever, where we just had to force her to something, it's been, yeah. Okay, and then I have uh, the youngest one. He's nine. He's called Fjord. Uh, he's my miracle child, as I had him after the doctors told me I couldn't have any more children. Then I had one more child um, because I had cancer. Um, he has a lot of music inside of him. And he has another kind of rebellion in his personality. So he cannot be taught. It really, it really provokes him if someone is trying to teach him something. It's not that he doesn't respect that other people knows things that he doesn't know. It's just don't teach me, you know, don't. It, it, I, they, I don't know. It's from my husband. He's the same. And he just can't have it. So I have a really hungry brain and I will love any course, any guided tour. I will read all the signs and all the little notes and a book about it. And I will hear a podcast and watch documentary. And I just love it. You know, you just pour it. You know, the more knowledge you can pour into me, I love it. And I don't care. If the teacher is annoying, of course, I'll get up and leave. But very often, Teachers are very passionate and, and will, you know, tell you things they really love to share. But my youngest son and my husband, they have this in common that if you try to teach them something, they get really annoyed. Like, really, they, they, they don't like it. So he's like that, um, <laughs> which makes the thing with the music a little hard because he, he has so much wonderful music inside. And you actually have to learn some techniques to play you, know, you, you cannot just have the music inside and then play sometimes it's well you don't have to learn but it will help a lot to learn some techniques how to move around on the instrument so we're working a little on that um what else of course uh the books again and uh, uh at the moment, he's very passionate about Dungeons and Dragons. He's the game master, which is a little backwards, that he's the youngest yes. and the game master. We all play, all five of us. Mm. Um, so he likes to cook, just like his brother. And he, I can't, you know, he's still forming. He's yes. still young. You know, yeah. he's just being. He's just being mm -hmm. in his life, you know, observing. Um, he's into anything with wheels, anything you can learn with your body, like to jump or run or do a backwards flip, whatever they call it, and mm -hmm. roller skates and skateboard. And yeah. Yeah. So as you can hear, my children are very different. <laughs> Uh, one will walk one a day in the skater park and another one would want to go to the art museum to draw and uh, another one would want to uh, just study, yeah. I don't know, Islamic art because it's so geometry based and uh, it can be hard to, you know, plan a day trip <laughs> where <laughs> everyone's happy. <laughs> I think that's something I find so fascinating having come to unschooling because you know before the expectation is that kids are just kids you know they go to school they do the same things they 
They, you know, do what their grade has to do. They do their homework. You know, it, we tend to, I think, culturally just think of kids as, as a group. And yet once you have done schooling and they start to have that space and time to follow their curiosity, to follow the things that draw them, to play around with the thing they're, things they're interested in, my goodness, they really are so different. It's like even personality-wise, when you give them the space to understand themselves and to say like, nope, I'm not into, I'm not into that, um, you, you know, you can see their personalities, you can see their interests. They are so very different, aren't they? But the funny thing is, why do we even expect them to be? Yeah, I mean, I, I, all of the adults they get to be individuals, and the children they have to be the same. It makes no sense. I mean, makes no sense. All adults are children who grew up, and we expect them to express their unique personality. But the kids. They are the same. It, it, it makes no sense. Doesn't it? Doesn't. Period. Yeah. I have no right. more to say about it. It, 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 <laughs> Cecilia. Let's hear about you. Get, get over it. Let's hear a bit about you. What are you interested in right now? Hmm. So I am always interested in whatever is around me. Mm-hmm. I am uh, maybe a little flimsy in my focus. Uh, because we travel so if I walk down a street I would like to know what kind of dogs they have in this city and why are the buildings so different and how do they do with the trash and and please teach me the language <laughs> and um, and the history of the country thank you very much and of <laughs> course the art history and if I could uh, read the eight most important books of this culture, I would like to do that as well. Poor so, in, right? <laughs> um, yeah, the poor in thing. And um, so my my challenge is to uh, take a break and meditate for at least like two seconds a day, uh, <laughs> because I'm, I'm so I'm, I'm I have a very hungry brain. I am into languages. Um, I'm not into anything. You know, I don't care for one second about cars. For example, I don't care at all. Um, and uh, many things, of course, I don't care about. I, I care about how people organize their lives in different cultures. What Because so many things are the same and so many things are so different. And uh, when you move around different cultures, your cultural expectations, they clash with what is actually there. And you have your, so culture is very, very deep in our bodies. And I can, with my brain, know that something is different here. But, but my, my actual experience of existence cannot have it. They call it a cultural shock if it's a lot of it. Sometimes it's just a bit of it. And there's some way that you can hardly adapt to having your physical presence in this context. And I find that um, intellectually very interesting. Um, So I I think about that. And um, I think that any language can be learned. I want to be able to speak at least 
the double amount of languages I speak right now, like fluently, like have a real conversation. And I think that in, um, at least when you come to a country, at least learn a hundred words, just out of pure respect so that you can say thank you and hello and goodbye and, and um, basic stuff like water, bread, milk. Um, I don't eat bread and milk, but food, carrots. Um, so I try to do that. Um, then I'm an unschool mother. So basically for these years of my life, my strategy is to be interested in whatever my kids are interested in. Um, because that's how I built the relation. That's how we share life. Um, and I think that the relationship I have with my children and my husband and maybe a few of my best friends will be the most important relationships I have in my life. So from, from, so I think about what can I do to support the relationship? And of course, you know, if you give people a, a real full attention and, um, and take real interest in this, in their life, then you you can build a strong and, and good relation. So so I draw and I do the Rubik's Cube and I play Dungeons and Dragons and you know I watch TV shows on food and uh, I cook and you know I do the things that that they want to do because it it, it it's it's good for us. What I want to do is to spend my time with the people who are the most important to me. So therefore I do what, what they want to do, except, you know, I took them out on this nomadic lifestyle and, and tell them your, your education will be traveling the world. So that's what I want to do. And it's a lot. So at least I can play some Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I love your perspective. Yeah. It isn't, it isn't so often. It isn't about the thing that you're doing. It's the connection, right? It's the exactly. I don't care what we're doing as long as we do it together. And then there are a few things, you know, I cannot commit to computer games. I just can't, I can't focus. I find it really boring. A few more like um, logic kind of games I can do for, you know, maybe half an hour, but it's, it's, not to be rude it's just i find it really boring i cannot i cannot twist my brain around doing it mm -hmm. some of them make me seasick like it's a physical thing yeah yeah <laughs> it's just my eyesight I, I i just can't do it so this i cannot participate in but they can do that together um so of course it's not anything but i think the relation is also about finding what can we do together that we both of us enjoy doing and then go do that. Yeah. And um, I think that works yeah, so well so. when we're not judging the things that they're choosing. So maybe we're not participating together in a few things, right? Say computer games. We can also, we can still have conversations about it. We can still share their excitement. We don't need to judge it just because of course. we do it. And then, of course, they too will want, like, when we're not judging them negatively as a person and their interests and choices, 
they too will enjoy connecting with us and are happy to find the things that we can do together. You know what I mean? Because that relationship mm-hmm. is but also... I have a point on, on judging, but I mm-hmm. want to hear what you're saying first. Oh. What were you saying? Uh, <clears throat> a point about judging. Oh, so like, because if we're judging the things that they're interested in, that's like judging them as a person. It's like saying the things... This particular thing that you're interested in, I don't value or because I don't like it or because it makes me sick to participate, then I value it less. And it's okay if we like in our system are, I don't even want to say values of the things that we like to do um, are ours and they're completely valid, yet it's not putting that on another person right? We're not judging them for the thing. They have their own list of things that they like to do, that they're interested in pursuing. Um, And when they don't, when they feel supported for who they are and the choices they make, they are very happy in my experience to be in the relationship. Like the relationship too is something that they're interested in um, and that they enjoy. And so they're happy to like, Dungeons and Dragons, because that's the game that you prefer for connecting and for doing together versus computer games. You know what I mean? Then so that judgment piece. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. But I think actually, so the judgmental issue is very interesting. And I cannot say anything conclusive about it because it's complicated. I see also in the unschool community. Uh-huh. This idea that you cannot judge what your kids are doing, uh-huh. and if you if you go all the way with that idea, I think you reach a point of unparenting. <sighs> Thank you, and that's bad. No, I think yeah. that actually I want to stay present, and if I think something's bullshit, I will tell them. I believe this is bullshit. You shouldn't do it. I think it's junk. And then they can convince me that it's not junk because I'm open-minded at the same time. That's the But, like, but yes. I think that if I believe something is bullshit, I will totally tell my kids about it. That this is just junk. Don't do it. It's a waste of time and it will consume you or whatever I think. And then they will say, no, 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 come see here. And maybe I get smarter or maybe I was right. Who knows? But that's so, the point is you let them show you. Right. Like the open minded piece, like so definitely. Yeah, I love the way you took it to unparenting because that's not what we're talking. We're not talking or like for me, I wasn't talking about like leaving them off to do whatever the thing. You know, without. But I know that you're not, but you have listeners, and and some of them might be beginners. That's why we have. You know, we have to make sure that we're not putting out bad advice because I think a lot of my job as a parent, and I'm I'm an unschooled parent, but I'm still a parent. A lot of it is judging because judging is also being present in the relation with my personality and my perspective. And if I believe something is bad for you, let's say white sugar, we don't do white sugar. 
if I believe it's bad, I do believe it's bad. And I will tell my children, I believe this is bad. And I think that is totally okay. And I think it's my job as a parent to to share with my kids what I know about the world and what I believe is good and bad. And of course, to teach them or support them in learning to make judge to make um I can't speak, man. I had so many interviews today. Sorry, I need more coffee. You know what to I need make, to make um, to make choices of their yes, own. You know yes. this is not my first language. I think I think oh, sorry the no, exactly. Because I think what the difference is here is in how we're defining the word judgment. Really, like the wider piece, like so the things that you're talking about. Um, for me, I don't see as judgment and it could be just because I'm further, you know, along, have been doing this for many, many years. I just, I see that as sharing my experience. I see that as sharing information. I see that as having conversations and sharing my perspective because yeah, when, when you take the idea of not judging as don't say anything, Yes, that's absolutely when you can, oh, geez, I'm not supposed to tell them X, Y, Z. I'm not supposed to share my views. And then you get into that unparenting space where you're really not engaging with them. You're just leaving them on their own to figure things out. And you become vague as a person. Yes. You're not there. You're almost afraid of being there. But like, I'm not allowed to think what I think because that's probably bad and I need more G-schooling. No. No, it's okay. Yeah, but the piece that really stood out for me is that you're open-minded. Like so often judgment comes across as this is the answer, this is the only thing, and I'm right and you're wrong. Whereas, as you said, you're open-minded about it. It's like, ah, that seems strange to me. I don't, I don't like that. I'm uncomfortable with that. Yet you're open to the next step, like convince me otherwise or share your perspective mm-hmm. and you're open-minded and willing to change. Like for me, the idea of judgment implies a willingness not to change, not to bring in new information. Yet that is not what either one of us is talking about. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have to be very clear on this point because yeah. I think it's a, it's a common mistake. It's a yeah. common misunderstanding about the lifestyle. And mm-hmm. I think it's doing a lot of bad for um, a lot of unschooled kids that, that, you know, if they have parents who believe that they are not allowed to have an opinion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, you know what I think that gets from that judgment, I'm right, you're wrong, just listen to me, to that open-mindedness. I think for a lot of people, that is part of their de-schooling process, right? That is part of their opening up to. um, But, you know, then you still have the first three, four, five years, you have to think that you're de-schooling, so you're probably not the perfect unschooled parent. And Who's the perfect unschool? I was going to say, you're I mean, never a perfect unschool. The perfect choice is to unschool, you know, to respect the personal freedom of your children. That's basically it. And if, if you're honest with your kids, which you should always be with your kids and everyone else, um, then you just tell them, you know, I think this is bullshit. Maybe I think so because I, I you know, probably I think so because of the life I've been living and, and maybe I could learn more. Probably I could learn more. 
But until I feel comfortable about this behavior or habit or interest, could we tune it down or could we talk about it? Or, you know, if you're honest about why you have this emotion or this idea or this judgment, then I think you're good. Chill. Yeah. And I think what you're talking about there is de-schooling isn't like internal quiet work that we do only by ourselves. Like you say, that process is can be transparent with the people around us. Of course. Right? Absolutely. Because the thing is, you know, if you if you have as a, as a parent get to live your life until they are uh, 58, all of your kids, and you have grandchildren, maybe even great-grandchildren, and then you go back, and then you do it, <laughs> then you can be perfect. I'm waiting for that day. We have to invent all of this as we live. My kids are not small anymore. The youngest is nine. I mean, and I still, I'm still fumbling my way through how, 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 how do I live this life? How do I, how do I do this job of being a mother? Let's not talk about unschooling, just being a mother. How do you do it? I've been doing it for 22 years and I still don't really know how to do it. I'm just trying my best. Well, I mean, my youngest is 24 and it's the same because each, every, every situation is new and, and we all grow and change and learn as people over time. So we're all new people and new situations come up and old situations come up again. And, you know, it, it is forever, always learning, always growing and changing. And I think the open-minded piece, I think, is one of the most important pieces to not think that I'm done. I'm finished. I know yeah. this is just me now and I'm not going to change anymore. And y'all are just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> That's well, kind of yeah. open statement. <laughs> no, I think that will not happen anytime yeah. soon. Exactly. We learn all the time. So I would like to hear, thank you very much for that conversation. That was, that was great. To, and another perspective for people, because I mean, we do talk about that a lot on the podcast that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I haven't heard it. No, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I should do that. So it's always good to bring it up. So thank you very much for that. So I would love to hear about how you found unschooling and what your journey to unschooling looks like, like for the beginning. I know it's an ongoing journey. We just finished talking about how we're always learning and growing. But how did you find unschooling initially and how did that come about? So when I had my second child, we, longer story, short, met and neighbor down the street who had a child same age and she had a friend who was unschooling so my second child was a newborn um and so was this friend of mine's child which was his first child she became my very good friend um and she told me about this idea she had a friend who was unschooling her kids and those kids were older um, and I thought the idea was completely crazy. What, what, even homeschooling. I mean, I was like, what are they sick in their minds? It, it had no, I mean, it did not resonate with me. 
and I thought it was the most weird thing ever. Um, but only for a short while. So this friend of mine in the same street, uh, our sons became friends and we talked a lot. And of course it was not like, um, so to me it was relevant because my first child had just started in school. And I realized from all of these conversations about unschooling that um, this alternative school that she attended made a lot of sense for her. And I, I also realized that she was doing it voluntarily because I asked her, do you want to be there? Do you want to be rather be home? Um, could I go back and leave it all over? I would just have not schooled her, but she had a great life. And it was an extremely alternative, very, very free democratic school. So it's not like she's been free to her. Um, and I have seven years, obviously, between the first and second child. So maybe being at home was not the most interesting thing for her at that time, as I had a baby to take care of and she was much older. Um, and then what? Then I, I knew about it and I met some of these uh, homeschooling and unschooling people. It's not a lot in Copenhagen. It was even fewer um what is it 15 years ago um and i realized you know they were not crazy they were just living their life in a different way and but still especially my husband he was not open to it he thought it was totally you know local as they say in spanish um so it was not a thing for us as such until our son uh, reached the mandatory education age in Denmark, which is six years old, and he was supposed to start in school. And he told us, you know, I think that school thing is not for me. And um, I was like, okay. But my husband, and so we kind of tried to ignore it for a while to see if he could start and in this alternative school where our daughter was already he would be in the same classroom as her because it was an age integrated school and he would only if he started that year so it made sense to push him a little bit so that he could maybe have this one year in the same classroom as his sister um at least it made sense to my husband and and uh, it made sense to me in the way that I really wanted to homeschool or unschool this child, but I didn't want to do it if my husband didn't agree. Because I see all these families where it's only the wife and the husband really disagrees and makes a lot of conflict. And I didn't want that conflict. I wanted us to, to agree. And I thought, okay, let's try and see what happens if we put him in school. But I, I made the veto that I wouldn't leave him there alone without me if he didn't want me to. So I went every morning. No, not every morning. I had the agreement with the school that I would go um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I would come in the morning with him and I would leave when he was exhausted which would be like two hours later every day. And after a few weeks, um, this is so funny, uh, the school teacher, so I'm a trained psychologist, so I, I think maybe I know something about how people 
feel. And maybe I, I know a few things about how my own kids feel. Anyway, he took me aside. He wanted to have a conversation with me. And I came, had a conversation with him. And he said, you know, your child has been in the paradise life until now because he's been a home child. And now he needs to get out of this paradise. And it is actually normal for kids to, you know, walk along the walls and be a little scared and, and out of their selves for the first year or two of school. And uh, you should get over it. And he should get over it. And uh, you have an attachment that's too strong. And uh, maybe you should let the father come with the child and let's see if, if it will go any better. And I kind of vomited. But also, you know, if you know attachment theory, there are three kinds of attachment and none of them is a too strong attachment. Yes. You know, you can have a healthy one. <laughs> well, I'm not going to do a, an education thing on that. But a too strong attachment for your parent just doesn't exist. Um, anyway, I thought it's not my project to have the kid in school because it was my husband's project. So there was actually something wrong with the whole scene of me being there in the morning. I would agree with that. And so I went home. This was a Thursday afternoon. So we had a four day break and I went home. I talked to my husband about it. I said, if he's going again, you're going with him and you're not leaving him until he says it's okay. And then, you know, universe sometimes just saves you uh, and something very sad happens. So on the Saturday, a friend of mine died um, and she had the same disease that I had just survived. So I had survivor's guilt and we all had a shock, of course. And uh, we went to the funeral on the Monday. It was a very confronting funeral as I survived the same disease. Um, and when we came home from that funeral, I think actually just driving back, it was like, you know, the curtain, uh, my husband said, what the fuck are we doing? The kid clearly tells us that he doesn't want to go to school. It is very clear. You've been trying for three or four weeks now, and he is clearly not adapting. He doesn't like it. He had the reaction, the very sweet and, and, and peaceful reaction of, just falling asleep he just you know his mind would just not in an aggressive or sad kind of way he was just closing down the whole system whenever we were there and uh and my husband kind of woke up like and and maybe so did I like what, what are we doing this is crazy <laughs> the kid clearly doesn't like being there and you know we have this only one life and so, yeah. So we decided to homeschool. Mm -hmm. uh, and my husband said, let's let's give it six months and try again, put him to school. And for those six months, you know, we should teach him to read and write and do math and like everyone else. And, and uh, so in the beginning, we homeschooled in a very bad way. I mean, a very inconsistent way in a way where we thought we would homeschool, but we would probably not. And then we would feel a little guilty about it, especially me. And then we would try again. And it was, it was a mess. And then I had a good conversation with an unschooling mom about the whole situation because I was so frustrated with it. I really liked having the kids at home. I knew it was the right thing. I had 
three kids at home at the time, the newborn fourth child and the three-year-old daughter and the six-year-old son. And so sitting down teaching someone in a systematic way to read and write was actually not really an option. But I was trying and... Um, then I had this conversation with this unschooling mom about it, and she did ask me really relevant and good questions. And I realized that I was actually only doing this behavior of homeschooling because I was afraid of what would happen if, um, what's that called in English? You know, the system that will come and check if your family is homeschooling good enough, mm -hmm. you know, will yeah. give you permission to continue. What is that called? Well, I, What's I, the I, word for it in English? The, oh, over well, it doesn't matter. In Denmark, yeah. we have this system. They come and they check. Uh, and maybe they never come. But if they check, they say, okay, your homeschooling is good enough. And then you can continue. We don't have tests or anything. It's actually quite peaceful. But I was, I was Weird. afraid of that. Yeah. Um, and and because I was afraid of that, I would try to spend two or three hours every day doing something all of us hated to do. Yeah. So and my friend on the phone helped me to realize that, and I I just thought, okay, this this is crazy. I mean, how bad can it be? I have to get over this fear and just, it, it makes no sense to spend two or three hours every day ruining my good mornings with my kids because I'm afraid of something that might never happen. And if it happens, maybe I should just handle it when it happens. Um, so we let go. And then, then from there on, you can call it unschooling. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's very much the journey. Wow, that's very interesting to think about, and and the different pieces too. And it's so cool that we're also getting your husband's perspective on that time as well, that transition. Four years. His story is probably completely different. What did he say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he knew all along. <laughs> But yeah, no, but it's it's so true. Like, I mean, it is something that's very, it's very different. It's very unconventional, right? So it can be hard for a while to just even imagine doing the thing. And you found a family and some people you could talk to where it... And that did help a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, community really does help. I mean, and for me, um, when I started back in 2002, I knew nobody around me who was, I didn't know anybody who was homeschooling, let alone unschooling. So, you know, finding community, it ended up finding some community online was, you know, so valuable for me at that yeah. time. Yeah, and in 2002, online was not a big I know, thing. there wasn't much. <laughs> there was like one or two places to go. That was a I remember <laughs> if I'd had my first child. Now, you know, everything it's just out there you can find it but yeah. back then man you were all alone <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay so you have an essay on your blog that I just wanted to talk about the ideas because I, I I find it I think it's part of this journey absolutely and it's titled I used to be a feminist 
Um, so I was just hoping that you could share a little bit about that journey because I feel it, it's it's all woven in there, isn't it? Yeah. So I wrote this thing and I actually just wanted to be a little provocative when I sat down to write it, but then I realized maybe we should respect the feminist movement a little more than just being provocative <laughs> uh, because uh, what, what our mothers did for us uh, in, in the name of personal freedom for women is uh, of course amazing yeah. and we have to respect that and 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 the life of my great grandmother was very much formed by her being female and and my life is too but not in a suppressive way um and i respect that the thing is so my my take or my twist on this thing is that we have in denmark i uh my brain is not working. Um, what do you call it? Like we could call it a word. We have a saying. We have a actually. It's it's a it's a word that some of the feminists were using to offend uh, the mothers that would stay at home with their kids, and it was actually just used to attack the mothers who would stay at home at home with younger kids so it's not about unschooling it's about yeah. staying at home with your baby until it's maybe two three four years old and you will make handmade food and you will carry the child in a sling and you will do yoga and you know the type i know the type <laughs> um and they would call them spelt mothers Spelt being the kind of weed that is a little more healthy than the other weed. And it was, there There would be articles written in the newspaper about how these spelt mothers were um, and, and how they were undermining the freedom of women. And the core argument was that women who would stay at home with their kids, the spelt mothers, they would make the career mothers feel bad leaving their kids in kindergarten. And that would make it harder for the career mothers to be career mothers. Therefore, working against the freedom of women. So I sat down on my yoga mat with my kids around me and I thought, wait a minute, my personal freedom is lost in the idea of the other women's personal freedom. If I truly want to stay home with my kids, I am ruining it for the feminists. So the freedom of women it's not for me. It's not my freedom. I don't have the freedom to choose what I want. Because if I do so, I ruin the... It makes no sense. I cannot even explain it. I mean, <laughs> it was so weird. So actually, it was so weird, it made me start my first blog. I called it Spelt Mother, or in Danish. 
And I, I wrote about my lifestyle and my choices and how we would live our life. Also because we lived in a very beautiful, very high-end uh, neighborhood in Copenhagen. I had just had my first child, no, uh, fourth child. And the, these women around me who also just had a child and like the neighbors I was in this, we, we make these groups of local women who just have a child. You, you get, uh, you get uh, the offer to join a local group of women with newborn kids. Um, and I took the offer. I hated it. But I took it because I thought if I get to know some local mothers, then I also get to know some local kids. And then as we are a home-based family, <laughs> we need to know some of the people around us. So I did it. And they were, of course, very wonderful women because they are. But I just don't I really feel comfortable with the idea. Um, but the funny thing was they were all asking me the same questions. And some of the questions they asked, made me think so much about you know what was normal for me like cold sleeping for example i didn't even know the word cold sleeping cold sleeping we just sleep you know in the bed at night because we're <laughs> tired it, it's not a it's not a project it's not a system it's not a strategy it's just you know i'm exhausted i'm gonna lie down now with a blanket, but it's cold sleeping. It has a word. And I was surprised by that. I didn't know it had a word. Um, and some of the women in this group, they were doctors. There were two doctors and, and uh, they asked me the weight of my child. And I told them, I don't know. And they were like, what? And I said, I never weighed him. I don't know. He looks healthy to me. <laughs> And they said, and these are doctors hired by the state to take care of, you know, we have this great uh, healthcare system, supposedly. It is great. Anyway, it's for free and for everyone. And they are hired by the state to take care of everyone. And they were both general physicians. So they, they would be the doctor you meet if you mm -hmm. just need to go to the doctor. And they asked me, is that even legal? It should be the other way around, right? They should know that I have the right to not weigh my newborn child. And they didn't know that. And I thought, okay, there's something wrong here. And we can even quote Mr. Shakespeare, there's something rotten in the state of Denmark. And I started writing about it because my perspective and my, my reality, it was just my reality, my world was so far away from the world of my neighbors. It was so different. And to me, it's not different. I don't co-sleep. I sleep. But for them, you know, it was mind-blowing. And I don't think I'm mind-blowing. I mean, I eat from a plate and I sleep in a bed and I read in a book and I brush my teeth twice a day like everyone. I even flush, you know. I'm, I'm not a freak. But in this context, most a lot of the things that we were doing and a lot of the things that were real and normal for us was just totally out there for these neighbors. And we were not even unschooling yet. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, 
So I started writing this blog and I called it Spelt Mother because I found this idea of the personal freedom. You have a lot of restrictions on what freedom is, what choices a free modern Scandinavian equal rights gifted woman can make. So the, the, the choices, the, the, what do you call it? Like the amount of choices is actually quite restricted. A lot of things you can't do. Yeah. And, and I thought, what kind of freedom is that? I mean, it doesn't include the things I want to do. And actually it was the same problem with the idea of how to live your life with your kids that the mainstream idea about what it means to be a parent was so restricted and, and had such a narrow space of, of, of options that I just felt we need, maybe not my voice, but a voice like mine to say something about how you can also live your life. Not as a, I don't think this is for everyone and I, I'm not trying to make everyone live like me. That would be like completely awkward, but at least, you know, I wanted the voice out there that you can, you can do other things and, and they are just as awesome and normal and, and, uh, and valuable as the next person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that was not a lot of talk about feminism. I see it, but it's kind of the same for me. Yeah. You know, this, the, the narrow mindedness of the feminists and the narrow mindedness of how to be a parent was the same kind of narrow mindedness. You know, I like free, I like personal freedom. I think that, that the most important thing is that we make our own choices. We think about how we want to live our life and we go live it that way. And if we experience it sucks, then we change our mind and then we go live our life that way. But we don't look at the neighbor because they have a different setup. And many people live in a very, very similar way and they think it's the only right way to do things. Just like the doctors, the two doctors that thought it was illegal to not mm -hmm. know Exactly. Is it whatever kilos my kid was? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 No, I, yeah. that's what I was going to say for me as you were talking. Everything it really boils down to that choice. And that's why I still continue to enjoy talking about unschooling, just putting it out there that it's a choice. Again, yeah. back, back to it's so individual. Um, you know, in, it depends on the people involved. It depends on the circumstances, the context, like all the pieces. Unschooling isn't for all families. Um, just, just the way, uh, like the different parenting styles, like, like they're not right or wrong. It's what works better for the individual family. But yes, it's the just letting people know that they have the choice, that there are different options. Because as you were talking, you know, it's like there's whole industries and systems now built not just around education, but also, you know, around parenting, 
uh, you know, around birth, around like all yeah, these yeah. systems. And there is, and as you birth, just say, right? the keyword is system. Yeah. It's a system. It's a system and a strategy. And, and to me, I have 13 years between my first and my last child. So I will be a parent of children living in my house being children. They are welcome to live in my house if they're not children. But let's say I have, what? I can't even calculate, maybe 30 years of my life where I have children, you know, I'll cook for them and I'll wash their clothes and, and you know, I'll, I'll be the center-ish of the family. I don't want 30 years of my life being a strategy. It's my life. I, I, I will go live it. Yeah. And and being a parent is living your life with your kids around you. So all of this strategy and all of this control and all of this, I do this because then they will that. And when, when do you ever relax into your presence? Yes. It's, it's all about, you know, controlling that. Uh, my child has to wash its hands when it comes back home. And, and on Tuesday, it's the one child doing the dishwasher. And on Wednesday, it's the other child. And there's a structure. And there's another structure. And then I go for, to the gym. And it's too much structure for me. I mean... I, Cecilia, you know what? I have, you it reminds me so much. I have a blog post I wrote many years ago called, Are You Playing the Role of Mother? And that is... Exactly. Exactly. Right. It's, are you playing that role? Are you following that system versus actually and being oh, the mother system? <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Just do it for 30 years and hope that you still have a little spark of your personality left, left in by there the end, somewhere. Yeah. If you dig deep enough, then you can meditate for five years, catching up on all the years. Right? Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so you mentioned that you guys are traveling now, and I would love to hear a bit more about what you're enjoying about combining unschooling and this more nomadic travel lifestyle. So you prepared me for this question. Let us uh, admit that. Yeah. I cheated. We talked before. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to pull surprises on people because you know what? Here, I'm just going to pop in here because sometimes like this is a thing in the podcast world and in the interviewing world. Like some people say we don't, you know, let people know what we're going to talk about because, you know, we want they're off the cuff. But I like to have conversations where people, if they're interested and there's no expectation, can make connections and share a little bit deeper thoughts about it because they anyone has their strategy and it's totally okay. The thing is, I've been thinking about it as you wrote yeah. me this question and combining unschooling and traveling, we call as world schooling nomads. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be world schooling. Yep. Uh, but it's just a fancy word. I mean, in reality, no, it's not a fancy word. It's a very expressive, very precise word that gets the message over for people who live a more mainstream life. Yes. So in that respect, it's a perfect word, world schooling. And I love it. And I am a personal friend of, uh, it doesn't matter. Um, so I'm not taking it down. I'm just saying that 
I'm not unschooling. It's not a thing. It's not like I get up in the morning and while I brush my teeth, I think I have to remember to unschool today. You know? <laughs> so, the answer is going to be, it's just living. <laughs> yeah. So when I go traveling, I'm not thinking, oh, I'll travel and unschool. Yeah. <laughs> because unschool is basically a thing you don't do. I mean, <laughs> in that way, you can't answer that question. I'm traveling. I can tell you about that. I'm traveling with children. I can tell you about that. My children are unschooled, traveling children. And of course, I could say something about it. But then we're back to my question problem with your first question that I will start talking educationese. Then I will tell you that my children know about a lot of different countries and cultures and they speak different languages and we 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 use uh, a lot of different sources to understand where we are and why it has a historical impact or whatever and here they invented this kind of math or that kind of paint or whatever. And and that's what happens when we travel, of course, we learn some things because we get inspired by whatever's going on around us. We could meet some person from... So I I just spent the afternoon with a guy from Brazil and his girlfriend from Ukraine. And of course, you know, has nothing to do with being in Istanbul. But we learned some things about their cultures and backgrounds and languages because of that. But then, you know, hear me. I'm talking educationist. I'm telling you what we learn. And, and I mean. Like value just over all the other things. Over what? I mean, yeah. we have hungry brains. But don't everyone basically, you know, want to understand the world around them? We travel because we like to travel. Yes. We think it's more yes. fun than not traveling. Yeah, And we have something we call a home base where we go back to and spend a lot of time and have some work we like doing and doctors we like to visit. And we have that in two countries. And of course, we have friends, many places, and we go back to them and we have family in the north and we go back to the north for that reason. So we are nomadic, but in the more original way than nomads the original nomads they would travel from place to place and come back to the same places and and we do that and then we go new places to explore and then we go back and you know we don't go to the hairdresser we never go to the movies we hardly ever watch tv but we go to new places because we like it and 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 how is that combined with so it's very practical that the kids are not in school it mm -hmm. makes us free to travel. So that's one thing I can actually say about combining unschooling and traveling. But the rest would be education ease. But what's so fascinating. I don't really like speaking education. That, yeah, yeah. Well, and one of the things I love about talking to so many different families in the podcast is just hearing all the different lifestyles that resonate for that particular family. Like you guys enjoy that. There will be families where the idea of traveling is like horror, right? And neither is right or wrong, but yeah. it, what fits you guys really well, even fits you guys really well right now. At the moment, yes. Yeah, but, exactly. you know, I'm not, I'm not putting all of my identity into yeah. it either. If I want to buy a house, I'm actually dreaming about buying a castle. 
Yeah. It would be really cool. I don't want a house, uh-huh. but a castle. Yeah. Maybe. Could make some great events and, you know, yeah. <laughs> a restaurant and that would be fun. And I think maybe I'm going to do that at some point. At the moment we travel because it's fun. And I mean, there was a problem last year. So we feel a little behind on the traveling. Um, so we're going to travel a few years more, I think. And then let's see. It's not, it's not my core identity. I just do it because I like it. I love the way you wrapped it up. With of course, identity. I think also it's. Go ahead. But yeah. Please. Yeah. <laughs> Mm, I'm just saying that, of course, I also do it because I believe it's a good thing for my family. I wouldn't do it if I thought it would ruin the life of my kids. And if we can get around the education question and talk about life, then I think that what I want for my children, what I think I'm offering them with a traveling lifestyle is that they grow up to know that the planet is available, that they can go wherever they want, that there will be nice, welcoming people, that there will be beautiful places, that there will be opportunities, that any language can be learned, any culture can be learned, that um, maybe you shouldn't respect everyone and everything, but you should be respectful about the fact that you maybe there's something you don't understand and you could learn it and then maybe it would make more sense. Um, as an education for them, I, I hope that this lifestyle makes them feel really confident in who they are and who we are, that they feel that they have a powerful core family that they can really rely on, that we have each other's back, and that, you know, things can go terribly wrong, but you can fix it. And sometimes something sucks, like you go somewhere and you were just going to see the most beautiful cathedral ever, And then the car breaks on the highway and you have to sleep on the sidewalk and there's no uh, mechanic because there's a fucking lockdown and, you know, and you have a headache and there's no food because of course you're vegan and gluten-free. So you cannot just go eat the first pizza you see and, you know, you, you, you hate it. And then the next day you fix it. And then the next day you feel better. And then two weeks later, you're telling a very funny story at a cafe somewhere about when the car broke down and, and, and you learn that even if it becomes really hard, you can handle it and, and you can get over it and you can move on. So I think it makes all of us very powerful um, personally and, and, you know, courageous as to just throw yourself into life. And if you get an idea, just go do it. And um, it makes us very close to each other because uh, basically we have each other all the time and uh, we move around. So we make new friends everywhere, but, but uh, we cannot, unfortunately bring them all of us all all of them with us 
So in that way, of course, and then I hope they learn a lot of languages because I think languages are so cool. It's so great to be able to speak people to speak a lot of languages. And the more you learn, I speak five languages and I'm trying to learn two more at the moment and not trying. I will learn. I'm working on two more at the moment. And the more languages you learn, the easier it becomes. So it sounds really crazy to want to speak a lot of languages, but it's not. It's like, you know. I don't know. It's like running downhill. It just goes faster and faster. So that is one thing education wise or whatever I want. I hope that, that this traveling um, gives not teaches, but gives Yeah, yeah. that they absorb uh, the idea that, you know, you go somewhere, you just you start with a hundred words and then you move on from there. Um, because it's such a key, man. It's like mathematics. If you have it, then then the whole new world opens. Speaking only one language is really narrow. Mm-hmm. I, I think it really is um, yeah. in a non-judgmental way. Yes, but, but you know, it really it really opens worlds to to speak at least two, but preferably five. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's awesome. Awesome, Cecilia. I loved. I love where you took that. That was brilliant. Now, I would love yeah. to know uh, what has surprised you most about how this lifestyle, we'll just call it lifestyle. We won't even give it like specific uh, lenses. It's not an education style. No, no, it's a lifestyle. It's a way of living. Yes. And what has surprised yeah. you most about how it's unfolding in your lives or has unfolded so far? Anything surprised you along the way that you were? Yeah, yeah, lots. But now you're you're asking me to to rank it, so I have to make <laughs> a little list of things that surprised me, and then I have to, you know, what was the most surprising? And surprises are very different, you know, they're not yes. like on one scale. So that was a little hard. Uh, maybe I didn't read all of the memo. Um, did you write that question for me? I did, but you can take. I can tell you the first thing that comes into yeah. The first first thing that comes into mind for me is it surprised me a lot. Things my kids know, things my kids know, and I have no clue how they learn. Yes, (laughs) especially ten years ago. I mean, now it's more obvious that they are big and they read things on Wikipedia and they talk to people, and I'm not present, so I don't know, but. You know, when they were younger, I think my oldest son, now 15, he must have been seven years old, maybe maybe a little more, maybe nine. I can't remember. I had him at the Louvre in Paris, and of course we were there. So I have this tradition when I go to Paris, I have to see the Eiffel Tower and the lady. We call her the lady, the Mona Lisa. And it's stupid because I've seen it many times, so I don't have to see it. But I'm compulsive about that. I have to see the Mona Lisa. I have to see the Eiffel Tower. I'm not going up. I'm just, I just have to see it, which is easy because you can see it from anywhere. But I go there. So I'm next to the Eiffel Tower. So we were at the Louvre and we were to see the lady. And I think maybe it was the first time I took my kids to Paris. And it was in the middle of the summer. It was really stupid to go to the Louvre with four kids in the middle of the summer because, you know, everything is glass there. 
So it's 150,000 degrees inside. And you cannot take off your clothes because you're in France. So you cannot hardly open the first button and uh, not even children. And it was very hot. But we saw the lady. And then we were like, okay, we're in here now. It's one of the most amazing museums in the whole wide world. So we're not leaving, but we're cooking. So we will go to the basement. (laughs) (laughs) And there they have the artifacts from Egypt. Um, And you know, it was a French guy who, and they stole everything basically. So they have all of Egypt there, more or less. Um, and we went to see all of it and I knew that my son had taken an interest in, in Egypt mythology. Um, he was young, man. I think he was eight or nine. So we were like, okay, let's go see some hieroglyphs and some mummies and, you know, we will do that. It's in the basement. It will be okay. The temperature. And, and then he just started talking (laughs) And I still had the idea that I was the one to teach them or tell them what we were seeing. And after 42 seconds, I just shut up for what an hour. And he would keep telling me, you know, mom, that little hieroglyph, can you see how they changed the corner of that thing? That's because in that dynasty, age, whatever, year, whatever, pharaoh, whatever, uh, he he had another idea about the birds, and then they changed all of the hieroglyphs. You see, it's not original. And I was like, I was just blown away, and and I had no idea how he knew. I had no idea. But of course, it was right. It was not something he made up. I mean, yeah. So that happened a few times that I was really surprised. And even another really surprising story was. So the whole idea about how to learn how to read. So you think you have to teach the kids the alphabet and then you have to teach them the sounds and then you teach them the easy words and then you teach them the little harder words and and then they read the easy books and you know, that whole idea. (sighs) Two of my kids, they just taught themselves to read. One was four years old and she just started reading. And basically, she was three when her brother didn't start in school, and I was trying to teach him to read, and he didn't want to, and it was all chaos because I also had a baby. And I mean, but as one day she was just reading a book, and I never tried to teach her how to read, but at least you could explain this by the fact that I was trying to teach her brother how to read, and she was in the same house. And then my fourth child, he didn't really pick up reading. At this point, I'd I'd let go because I learned now about unschooling, like more for real. So I never really taught him anything, basically. It's also the kid who does not like to be taught. So no reason to start a fire. Um, But it took some time and and I, I wasn't really worried, but he was like, then he was six and he didn't read and he was seven and he didn't read. And I was like, hmm, maybe he should start reading soon because I learned to read really early. And so did my first child. And so did my brothers and sisters. And, and you know, I've, to me, it's normal that you can read when you're four or five years old. So I, when I had seven year old not reading, I was like, hmm. And then he was eight and then he started reading. And then I realized that he was reading in three languages. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> so that can take so, a bit longer. <laughs> and that's not the same technique, you know, because the alphabet, even though it's more or less the same, he was reading Danish, English, and Spanish, and it's more or less the same alphabet. So, but it's not the same sounds. Mm-hmm. So the translation from from the alphabet, from the letters to the sound to the word is not the same in the three languages. So that's what stalled him. And and yeah, it just took me by surprise. And in my head, he should read Danish because that's his first language. So I, th- I it never occurred to me that he would read the other languages, which is just me being stupid. Because in his mind, of course, it's all language and it's all text and it's all reading. Yeah. He didn't think, first I do it in Danish and then I'll think about the other languages later on. Mm-hmm. When you absorb reading, you absorb reading in whatever language you speak, read, hear, listen to, have around you. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a great surprise. <laughs> Wow. I don't know if it was the biggest one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, in two days, when you finally remember what the biggest one, when you figure out what the most. Send your list. Yeah, you'll send it to me. Prioritize. (laughs) With little stars. (laughs) Oh, oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me, Cecilia. It was so much fun. Thank you. It was. Likewise. It was fun. (laughs) It was fun. And now I turned off the air cancer and I'm not cold anymore. And now you're feeling a lot. It's so good now. <laughs> I feel perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we go, where can people connect with you online? So anyone can write me an email if they want to. I like it. Um, I have this blog, worldschoolingnomads.com. Mm-hmm. I have this other blog, which is my name, CeciliaConrad.com. I think you have to spell it somewhere because uh, it's spelled in, I am Cecilia with an E, not an A. (laughs) Um, And we're on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and all of that. So any of them is fine. And I'll put links to all of them in the show notes so that people don't have to worry about spelling slash typing it in. So the links will all be there from everyone as well. Thank you so much again, Cecilia. Have a wonderful day. Likewise, the sun is setting in Istanbul, so soon we can go out without cooking. Without cooking, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website, livingjoyfully.ca.